This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuned in to the new TNN. Culture Addicts, this is Johnny C, and of course, welcome back to the new TNN podcast feed. My name is Johnny C, and as always, we're here with one of our crazy-themed shows that's named after a Mega Man supervillain. Why do we do it? Because we love it. It's Bright Man, the show where Johnny C talks about whatever bright idea is in his head. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and jump to it. Uh, guys, I gotta tell you, this is one that if you told me I was gonna do, even yesterday, if Johnny C from the future came back to the past and was like, Johnny C, we've gotta do something about your podcast. And I was like, oh, what is it, Doc? I'm like an asshole or something on my podcast? He'd be like, no, it's the topic. You're going to talk about aces and eights. I'd be like, what? You're fucking kidding me, Doc. I don't know a goddamn thing about aces and eights. But then my mind would slowly start to unravel, and I would think to myself, well, wait a minute, maybe I do know a thing or two about Aces and Eights, but not that much. So we're calling this Aces and Eights for Dummies, a look back at the legendary Impact Wrestling Super Stable that gave the uh, heroes and some of the villains of Impact Wrestling a run for their money in 2012-2013. So, To cycle back to what I said I knew about Aces and Eights, I know that in the spring of 2013, I took a family vacation to Florida. I ended up at Disney, and I ended up at Universal. It just so happens, the time that I was at Universal, a TNA Impact Wrestling one-night-only pay-per-view special was about to be taped. And I was like, well, shit, if I... I said to myself, you look, if I don't go, I'm going to regret it. Like, I didn't really want to go... Um, but you know, what are the odds that, you know, I live in Ohio just to put that out there. And it's like, here I am in Florida. How long is it going to be until I get back here? Cause I hadn't been to Disney since I was a kid in 1989. So it's like, you know, I, I don't come here that much. They're taping a show. They're, well, they're about to start taping a show right now. I'd be pissed at myself if I didn't at least go and see the Impact Zone. Of course, this is 2012, 2013. I'm thinking in my head, if I don't go to the Impact Zone now, and what are the chances that it's even going to exist in the future? Uh, little did we know. You know, because TNA or Impact Wrestling, whatever you want to call it, is always or was always on the verge of death. Like, this is it. This is the last show. The ru- the money runs out tomorrow. Um so I went and saw, it, it's like the TNA Impact uh, One Night Only World Cup, where like uh, a singles, a tag team, and a female competitor create like a team, and there was a Team Impact, Team USA, Team Canada, Team Aces and Eights, I'm probably getting the teams wrong, it doesn't matter. All I remember from this showing is that uh, Mr. Anderson was annoying as fuck, and Magnus has a massive junk. I mean, whoa, all right? Seriously. 
But all I wanted to do as I was leaving the impact zone, because I stayed for like two matches, was I wanted to buy an Aces and Eights beanie. Because I kind of liked the logo, and I wanted a piece of Impact Wrestling merchandise to be like, I was here, I exist. Um, They didn't have it. I was pissed, and I never got one. Uh, now, the only reason I wanted Aces and Eights was, yes, I liked the logo, but also... They were kind of a hot angle. Okay, like your mileage may vary, but you can't deny the individual who would eventually be revealed as the leader of Aces and Eights was kind of hot in a way that I was like, I can't believe this person is hot in the world of professional wrestling. I'm blown away by it. I want to, you know, get my merch while the uh, while the uh, iron is hot or whatever the fuck you call it. But it's all irrelevant. But that's my knowledge of Aces and Eights, who the leader is and when it was hot. So, with that in mind, Aces and Eights for Dummies is going to cover sort of the beginnings of Aces and Eights, uh, the ascension of a star, and the betrayal of a star. Let's get into it. It's June in 2012, and some masked marauders have been invading the Impact Zone. General Manager Hulk Hogan doesn't know what to do. His attorney, Joseph Park, has been kidnapped by this evil group. And his daughter, the lovely Brooktini, has been getting threatened as well. At one point, Hulk Hogan recruits the master of Shaq Fu, Shaquille O'Neal, to come to the Impact Zone and protect the competitors against the assaults of these biker-related hooligans. Sting and Hulk Hogan attempt a rescue mission for one Joseph Park, but they are captured. The leader of Aces and Eights, which is basically a biker gang that never reveals their faces. Um, you know, they wear flannel, they wear biker vests, they ride motorcycles, they wear goggles and shit. They all look like they just got done playing Call of Duty, because they have these Call of Duty skull masks that they wear. I, I don't know what to call it. Now, the leader appears to be a descendant of legendary WCW supervillain, the Black Scorpion, because he has the ability to distort his voice in wrestling-related promotions. You know, we're starting to like you guys, but we want to come play. We want to play with you in the Impact Zone. So, at Bound for Glory 2012, two-on-two, two TNA guys versus two Aces and Eights members, and if we win, we get unrestricted access to the Impact Zone. Uh, This is all in a video package coming to me, by the way. Like, there's a massive video package. I started off watching this Aces and Eights Greatest Hits video on Impact Plus. That's another thing. I had to get Impact Plus for Starman. I want to use it before I cancel it here at the end of the month. Um, And I used to have it and watch along with uh, TNA Never Dies over North South Connection Podcast Network. But since the episodes are, you know, here and there every once in a while, I usually just listen to the recaps at this point. I don't feel like I have to stay up to date. So, uh, Impact Plus gets DOS boot. Uh, so, I started watching that, and, and the matches were clipped. So, this is sort of hodgepodge where I'm getting this, but this video recap also appears on the Bound for Glory pay-per-view. Okay? Uh, we see more footage of uh, Mr. Park, that being Abyss, Joseph Park, getting waterboarded by Aces and Eights. This is craziness. So, Sting is announced to go into the Hall of Fame in June. And that's when the first assault of Aces and Eights starts. Bound for Glory is in October. So, honestly, a lot of restraint here from Impact Wrestling, if I do say so myself. Probably made easier by the fact that they tape like a month of TV in one night, but I digress. Sting is the icon of TNA. 
I, every time I go to say TNA, guys, I want to say WCW. Like, I just want to be like, Sting, of course, the icon of WCW. So if I say WCW instead of TNA, you know what I mean. Sting chooses the asshole Mr. Anderson to be his tag team partner. Of course, Mr. Anderson is injured and cannot participate, but he's injured because he's assaulted backstage by the Aces and Eights group. Bully Ray, up-and-coming Impact Wrestling superstar, stands up for justice. He might be an asshole, but he's TNA's asshole. So I guess at this point, I'm getting the feels that sort of like The Rock in that uh, breakdown in your house era that we've been talking about over in Kingfish and I guess here on Brightman. Uh, it's sort of that moment where Bully Ray's been like a heel. He's like an asshole heel, but he's starting to get over because his character is consistent and somewhat Austin-esque. So here he is being like, yeah, I'm a prick, I'm a piece of shit, but, you know, I, I couldn't be a prick and a piece of shit if it wasn't for TNA Impact Wrestling. So I want to defend it. And that sort of makes sense. And I absolutely see what they're going for. And so now here in October, Sting, who's inducted into the Hall of Fame the night before Bound for Glory, will be teaming up with Bully Ray to take on two members, unknown at this point, of Aces and Eights. Now, at Bound for Glory, there was also a video package for the Hall of Fame induction. I'm not going to say anything mean, but it's... Well, okay, this is kind of mean. Compared to the WWE Hall of Fame, this is like a regional sales meeting in fucking, I don't know, Virginia. It's just what it is. Um, Dixie Carter is at the Hall of Fame. She's just a MILF. I don't know what else to say. Now, now everyone is ashamed of me. I've betrayed myself. I've betrayed my beliefs about not uh, being objectifying when uh, covering these old wrestling shows, but I've done it, and I said it. It's out in the zeitgeist. I delete nothing. I just called Dixie Carter a MILF. General Manager Hulk Hogan announced at the beginning of the show that this is a no-disqualification match. The Icon Sting and Bully Ray make their entrance. Sting, God help me, is wearing a red and purple Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Sting coat. But he's got his crow face paint on. Underneath his jacket, he has a Bully Ray t-shirt that mimics a bottle of Jim Beam. It is unbelievable. Um, he also has, like, the Joker extra red lines that look like the cuts that the Heath Ledger Joker has as well. So just stealing from pop culture everywhere. Uh, Bully Ray remains hidden behind Sting. Sting gets down the aisle and does the NWO point. Bully misses the cue. So Sting walks back over to Bully Ray and does the NWO point multiple times until he finally just walks right over to Bully and does the point and it taps Bully on the shoulder. Shoulder, excuse me. Bully turns to reveal his face is also painted. Mike Tanay and Taz are on the call regarding Bully's paint. Taz says, that's cool, man. Bully does the Sting rooster yell. And fuck me sideways, Taz refers to Sting and Bully Ray as the brothers in paint. I can't believe it. I cannot fucking believe it. Why? That tells me that Taz watched him some WCW 2000, to which I would ask why. Taz also says Bully kind of looks like Gene Simmons retaining water. Then he's like, ah, it's okay. He knows I love him. He's in great shape. I'm just busting his chops. I'm just having fun. There's some silence, 
and then some Bully Ray chants. So I think I'm right about this Rock Bully. Now look, I'm not comparing the two. I'm just using Rock's mini face era before he turns corporate champ as a comparison point. Okay, please. Anyway, uh, Sting looks like he's opted to participate in this match wearing the Bully Ray t-shirt, so God help us all. A broke-ass guitar plays. Oh, you want high stakes? This is it. Aces and eights arrives through the crowd, carrying Joseph Park. Uh, They've got biker vests on top of some shirts and, like I said, these Call of Duty ghost-esque masks. Big mistake here. As in the ringside area, they handcuff Joseph Parks to the rail in front of Superman. Alright, well, it's a dude in a Superman shirt, but you never really know. I mean, wouldn't that be such a cunning ruse laid by a Superman to wear a Superman shirt in public so people think he's not the Superman? Sting and Bully Ray can watch no more, and they attack the aces and eights. The bell rings, so here we go! Now, at this moment in time, I have not looked ahead... And I do not know who the Aces and Eights members are. Like, I don't know the actors that are playing them. I will reveal them. I promise. Uh, So the purposes of the match, though, because I wanted to sort of be in the narrative, I'm going to recall, refer to them as Ace Black and Ace Flannel. Because Ace Black is wearing a black t-shirt over or under his vest. And Ace Flannel is wearing a flannel shirt under his vest. Ace Flannel is the bigger of the two. But Ace Black appears to perhaps be in better overall condition. Sting is murdering Ace Flannel using the rail and tables as weapons. Bully and Ace Black are having themselves a slugfest. Sting has decided to remove the shirt. Aces and Eights begin to fight back. Sting gets rammed into the announce table. Taz and Tanay say impact a lot. Team TNA takes control. Suddenly, commentary goes silent. You hear Mike today whisper, Ow! A few moments later, Taz says, Sorry! There's silence on commentary for quite a bit, and Bully Ray breaks, breaks, breaks a piece of broken table across the face of Ace Flannel. Massive We Want Tables chants. Bully runs toward Ace Flannel, and eats the steps of Solid Steel. Sting! This is a stinger splash, because Ace Flannel is pulled out of the way by Ace Black, and Sting has security rail for dinner. And now that both of the defenders of TNA have been taken down a peg or two, the thing starts to resemble an actual wrestling match, as Ace Black tosses Sting in the ring. It's a four-sided ring, for those of you who wonder about such things. Suddenly, we've got a real tag team match. Ace Flannel gets two on Sting, as Joseph Park continues to struggle with the handcuffs at ringside. Superman looks on and does nothing. Double-teaming, Ace Flannel charges into the ring, and Ace Black follows up with a big clothesline from... Clothesline from... Parts unknown, I guess. I will say, the crowd is into this match. It seems that the Aces storyline has interested them, so that's good. Taz lets us know that as a special part of this arrangement involving this encounter, Hulk Hogan, the general manager of TNA, is not allowed to compete in a physical nature. Most likely, he's unlikely or unable to compete because of his own physical nature, 
But I guess it's okay that they made sense of it in storyline rationalization. He's like the guy in charge, and so he's not allowed to fight. Whatever. Ace Flannel misses a big elbow, and Sting, Sergeant Pepper's up, and hooks Ace Flannel in the Scorpion Deathlock. I mean, I'm not sure how hurt his legs or back are. It's not exactly been a part of the story of the match. But fuck it. Why not? He gets a... a, a Ace Flannel turned over. Ace Black runs in and interferes. I will say, in this matchup, since it became a real tag team encounter, Bully Ray has not interfered since the actual tagging started. So, hmm, I wonder if there's something there. As I'm wondering this, a hot tag is made to Bully. Ace Black eats three Bully clotheslines. Ace Flannel then eats a Bully punch. Bully breaker on Ace Black. Bully block off the second turnbuckle. Ace Flannel hits from behind, and uh, Bully Ray is getting double teamed by aces and eights. No! Bully Ray fights back and hits the double bully line, and then hits an ultimate bully splash on Ace Black. And when I say an ultimate bully splash, I mean he kind of went off the ropes and did a big splash like he's the goddamn ultimate warrior. Can you imagine Bully Ray running to the ring? I mean, that's the whole gag right there. After this ultimate bully splash, Earl Hebner, who's the referee of this thing, goes down for the count. One, two, no. Ace Flannel runs in and breaks up the pinfall attempt. Sting decides it's time to slowly walk into the ring, and he knocks Ace Black outside and follows. So we've just got Ace Flannel and Bully Ray all alone. Ace Flannel is in control, and goes outside to get a chair. At this moment, Taz takes time to complain about the smell of Joseph Park. Apparently, he's been kidnapped for like three weeks, and he's smelly. Well, okay. Maybe help the dude out, Taz. Maybe give him some of your water. Something. I mean, Jesus Christ. Superman's not even doing anything, Taz. This is your moment to shine. Anyway, Ace Flannel swings this chair. No! Bully Ray counters with a little gut kick. I guess it'd be the Bully gut kick. Now Bully has the chair. And oh my goodness, a third member, previously unseen of Aces and Eights, dives into the ring. He has long hair and a mask, of course, so we'll call him Ace Hair. Ace Hair lifts up his mask and spits green mist on Joseph Park. That's weird. Superman now pleads with Joseph Park to please fight back. He does. Park rips the handcuffs off of the railing. He seems then surprised that he was able to do this. He sprints into the ring and tackles Ace Hair. Fists of abyss-like fortitude are delivered by the lawyer. Ace Hair retreats to the entrance ramp, but Joseph Park pursues and hits him with the Monty Brown pounce. James uh, Parks and uh, Ace Hair fight to the back, not to be seen again. Sting and Bully Ray were watching this entire encounter between Joseph Parks and uh, Ace Hare, so they weren't paying attention. They've got their backs turned to the Aces and Eight members that they are in an active combat situation with. Ace Black and Ace Flannel attack from behind. Bully tosses Ace Black and saves Sting from an Ace Flannel assault. He puts Ace Flannel on his shoulders. Sting goes up top, and they hit... A TNA device. Because it can't be the Doomsday device, because they're not the Road Warriors. They're Team TNA, so it's a TNA device. What do you want from me? 
Sting and Bully both pound on their chests and crow like some roosters. Ace Black is whipped into the corner. Bully Ray charges with a Bully splash. Stinger charges with a Stinger splash. Sting lightly slaps Bully Ray on the tits and says, Bully, get the tables. Bully hunts for Rude, or Rude, goodness, hunts for Wood, and he finds it under the ring, and he sets up a table inside the ring. Bully Ray grabs Ace Black. Ace Flannel pulls Sting out of the ring, and oh no, a fourth Ace has arrived. He's also wearing black. Oh no, what do we call him then? Well, I'll tell you, he's got black goggles on too, so we'll call him Ace All Black, I guess. Ace All Black hits a very weak spine buster and uh, puts Bully Ray through the table that was set up. Ace, just regular black, makes the cover. One, two, three. Oh no, what does this mean? Uh, the Aces and Eights celebrate. A fifth Ace arrives. He's got a wallet chain, so I guess we'll call him Ace Chain. Some broke-ass NWO music plays, and here comes the general manager of Impact, Hulk Hogan. Now, folks, I've talked about this before on shows. I never thought I would see Hulk Hogan fall this far, but he's wearing a Bound for Glory t-shirt. Shades of Thomas Dreamer. Uh, Ace Chain and Ace Flannel run up the uh, ring apron... fucking entrance ramp and Hogan knocks each one down with a punch and they're down for the count Ace Black follows suit gets a punch he's down for the count Hogan rips the shirt Sting and Bully Ray are both down Ace All Black is all alone now remember Ace All Black is the one who hit the spine buster and while he didn't get the pin he's pretty much the head cheese in charge at this point and he's all alone and Hulk enters the ring And uh, Sting watches as Hogan punches and fights with Ace All Black. Hogan hits. It's technically the big boot, but it barely connects and barely gets up. Hogan now has Ace All Black, and he's like, Whoa, should I rip the dude's mask off, dude? Bully yells, Take it off, Hawk! Take it off! Hogan abides, and my God, Ace All Black is revealed as Devon Dudley. Bum, bum, bum! Bully Ray is stunned. Hogan looks as if he's seen a ghost. Bully's like, why? Why? Like, seriously, I don't understand this. All these guys, like, I get Bully Ray being affected by this, but Sting and Hogan are also affected just as much as Bully is in this scenario. I don't understand what's going on here. I don't, there's... I don't know if Impact established some sort of relationship between like Hogan and Devon or Sting and Devon, but there is, there is nothing here. You know, as far as Hogan's concerned, it to him it's just. I mean, maybe he doesn't know who the guy is. Maybe that's why he's surprised. Like, there's no history here with anyone. It makes sense. Like I said, that Bully's surprised. So why is Bully not the one to unmask him? Wouldn't that make more sense? Like Hogan's holding him. And Bully rips the mask off, about to punch him, and it's Devon. He's like, I can't do it, Hulk. He's my brother. You know, something like that. That was an Owen Hart-sounding Bully Ray, by the way. But I, I don't know. It just it doesn't seem to make any sense. And, you know, that's the end of this segment for Bound for Glory. So the reason this segment's included on this Aces and Eights for Dummies is because even though it's not their first strike, you know, they were hitting and running between June and now. So here we are in the middle of October, 
And finally, we know a member, and it's Devon Dudley. And, and that's sort of where this whole thing, it's not where it begins, but it kind of is where it begins to matter, if you will. Um, according to my research, this is after the fact now, Ace Black was Nux, a.k.a. Mike Knox from ECW fame, and Ace Flannel was Doc Gallows, or Luke Gallows, you know, from the OC, or from the Bullet Club, or from Festus. Biscuits and gravy! You guys remember Festus. And the storyline would continue to have many twists and turns. Devon would be revealed as the Sergeant at Arms. You see, this stable, I'll give it credit, it's unique, it had a ranking system. Like, Nux was a soldier, Garrett Bischoff would be a soldier, Doc Gallows would be a soldier... D'Lo Brown would later be revealed as the vice president of this biker gang. It's an, it's an inclusive biker gang. I like it. Mr. Anderson Anderson would be a soldier and then later would become the second vice president of the group after D'Lo Brown quit Impact Wrestling. But speaking of Impact Wrestling, so this was October of Bound for Glory 2012. So all these people joined and there's conflict. I mean... I don't know a whole lot about it. Like I said, this is for dummies, real broad strokes. Eventually, we get to January 17th, 2013. And it's an episode of Impact Wrestling. And according to my research and what I watched, this episode centers around the wedding of Bully, that being Bully Ray, and Brooke Teeny herself, Brooke Hogan. What?! This is unbelievable. Unbelievable that Bully Ray and Brooke Teeny are getting married. First of all, Bully Ray, Bully Ray is like 50 and Brooke Teeny is like 22. Well, that's probably not actually the case. But still, it's just like if I didn't do this research and read that this happened and then find the episode and then watch it, I would have never believed it. Like if someone told me, oh man, remember when Bubba Ray Dudley married Brooke Hogan? I'd been like, nah, dude, you're high. And that's okay, but you're you're not you're misremembering facts, dude. But here it is, nonetheless. And the reason we bring this up is that this ends up sort of playing a deeper role in the big reveal for Aces and Eights, which is going to be the last thing that we're going to cover. So I wanted to just talk about this wedding and uh, recap with everybody what happens. So uh, Bully Ray is in the ring with his groomsmen. His groomsmen are Taz, Brother Runt, <sighs> Spike Dudley, and a very fat Tommy Dreamer. Brooke's bridesmaids include her her good friends Christy Hemme, Brooke Tessmacher, and Mickey James. So just like the three women we had on roster at the time, I guess. Oh, isn't Brooke Teeny the head of the women's division? Wasn't that her title? Like, Hogan's the GM of Impact Wrestling, and Brooke Teeny is the uh, like head of the Knockouts division. I think I remember that happening and being like, well, that's a mistake. Out of nowhere, my God, that whose music is that? That's the bride's music. Uh, Brooke Teeny comes out to her theme music. Or no, wait, no, it's Here Comes the Bride. That's why it's the bride's music. Bully Ray looks a little nervous. This is insane. This, like, monster push for Bully Ray, it's mind-boggling. I guess it worked. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't have financial or ratings numbers to back any of this up. But, you know, to me, like when Bubba Ray came back to the WWE in whatever year it was, it doesn't matter. And they did the Dudley Boys. I was like, okay, cool. They can do the Dudley Boys for a couple months and then we'll get Bully Ray in WWE. And then Bully Ray will be like a real character that matters. Um, 
so I wanted that. Like I wanted Bully Ray. So I, I realized Bully Ray was over. And I'm not, this is, this show has nothing to do with Bubba Ray Dudley, like the person, Mark, I guess his name is, like the guy. I'm not here advocating for him as a dude. I hear he's kind of a cock. So whatever. But this is the Bully Ray character that was on this sort of mad dash to the top. And we'll get there. It continues. Um, so yeah, Bully looks really nervous. Uh, you know, Brooke Teeny looks nervous as well because she's walking down the aisle, dude. And she's she keeps pausing. Now, at one point, she pauses to double check that her bosoms are still encased in the dress. And that's, hey, you got to do that. I get it. But she keeps looking behind. I don't know if she's assuming aces and eights will assault. But it turns out she's looking for daddy. And wouldn't you know, here comes Tux Hogan, eventually. Tuxedo-clad Hulk Hogan does make his appearance with his bandana to walk her down the aisle, signaling that he had some, in some way approves of this union. I think that was sort of one of the conflicts here was like, I don't want you to marry a wrestler, Brooke Teeny, especially that Bully Ray, dude. Like, I like Bully Ray, but he's kind of mean, dude. I don't know if that was the case, but it seems like it might have been. Mike Tanay is on commentary with some dude named Todd. Uh, Tanay sounds like he's holding back tears talking about Brooke walking down the aisle. I don't know anything about this Todd guy, except that when he opens his mouth, he definitely sounds like a dude that would be named Todd. Everyone's in the ring now. Brooke Teeny gets set. Uh, there's a big shake his hand chant from the crowd, but Hogan and Bully don't shake hands. So I think that that's the conflict here. Um, as I mentioned, and this, this, this chip makes me feel more like that's accurate. So I feel good about making that guess, basically. It's a guesstimate. The official begins the ceremony of Brooke wedding Mark. Whoa, Brooke Teeny, dude. You're marrying Mark Taker? I thought you were marrying Bully Ray, dude. Who's Mark? Oh, you know, the Undertaker? That dude's no good. He's a snake, and he beat me at the gravest challenge, brother. No, Dad. I'm marrying Mark Bubba Bully Ray Dudley. Oh, that's better, dude. All right, I approve of this wedding then, Brooke Teeny. You go ahead and get married, brother. Uh, Hogan presents Brooke Teeny when asked who presents this woman to be wed. Um, apparently, according to the officiant, one of the things that's great about marriage is, is that you learn to accept your fellow members of mankind and you learn to give and receive love. And there's no institution more sacred than marriage. And then the official allows each one of the participants in the wedding to cut love-based promos. Brooke decides to go first, and I quote, Mark, I can't believe I'm standing in front of you right now, exchanging fouls in the middle of a wrestling ring. Truer words have never been spoken. Uh, But you came in like a burst of light. I feel like I can trust you, and I feel safe. You're my best friend, and you definitely know how to make me laugh. The crowd then goes, ooh, oh. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, come on. But I think what she said, you definitely know how to make me laugh, was a euphemism for, oh, man, I come a lot when I'm with you. Uh, but she says, I can't imagine life without you, and I love you. Now it's Bully's turn. He says, I wrote a promo, but I want to speak from the heart. Shades of Macho Man Randy Savage, I guess. I knew from the moment I looked at you that I loved you. Um, I'm happy for a change when I'm around you. I freaking love you, Brooke. That's a Peter Griffin, but it's all I got for a Bully Ray. The officiant asks if there are any objections. There are none, so it's time to exchange rings. Do you, Brooke, take Mark? There's a yes chant, and Brooke says, I do. 
Do you mark? Take Brooke. There's a yes chant and a no chant. And Bully says, I do. Then, by the power vested in me, no! Taz, a groomsman, a Bully, grabs the microphone. He's got two questions. Ah, uh, you know, Bully, are you sure you want to you wanna marry this Brooke chick? You know, she's kind of weird and stuff. Hey, is that Luther Reigns? Everybody turns to look and see if it's Luther Reigns. And then Taz asks his second question. I don't know. Is, is it just me or is it freaking hot in here? Taz takes off his tuxedo jacket. He has a groomsman vest. But unlike the other groomsmen, his vest is adorned with the markings of aces and eights. Aces and eights attacks the wedding. And the wedding is ruined. Everybody's getting the shit kicked out of them. TNA Impact Wrestling superstars run down in the ring to make the save, but it's to no avail. Brooke is down. Bully Ray is down. Hogan is down. Somebody yells at Brooke, look at your husband. Look at your daddy. And I'm like, ew, she calls Bully daddy? And then they cut to Hogan on the ground and Bully on the ground. I'm like, oh, oh, it's the two different people, Bully Ray and Hulk Hogan. So continue. Uh, needless to say, Devon orders the Aces and Eights pick Bully up off the ground. Devon takes like a statue or some sort of fucking column for the wedding that was used and uh, beats the shit out of Bully with it right in the skull. And Aces and Eights leave, now with Taz in tow as their official Impact Wrestling-based spokesperson. But I'm pretty sure legally, Bully and Brooke are husband and wife. One week after this uh, wedding exploded, before our eyes on national television, Hulk Hogan would announce the reinstatement of his son-in-law, Bully, and his daughter, Brooke. Apparently, he had suspended them before the wedding before, because he found them kissing in a parking lot. Whatever. Then on the Feb-teb-feb-tebber, wow. February 21st episode of Impact, GM Hulk Hogan named his son-in-law the number one contender to the TNA world title. Something worth noting here was that uh, in 2012, before the Aces and Eights tag team match we talked about all the way up Bound for Glory, a bully kind of flirted with being the number one contender quite a bit in 2012, but could never quite seal the deal and lock it up. Now his father-in-law has handed it to him on a silver platter. It's March 10th, 2013, at the Alamo Dome, San Antonio, Texas, in front of 7,200 fans for TNA Lockdown 2013. And this is our main event in a steel cage because, you know, it's lockdown. It's Jeff Hardy defending against Bully Ray. Crazy to me that these two are facing off for a world title after we've seen them in the tag team wars of WWF slash E. Bully arrives first. I will admit, even though I made a joke about it being 7,200 instead of 1,000, the crowd looks great compared to your usual TNA crowd. Earlier in the day, uh, Mike Tanay lets us know that Bully Ray got an inspirational speech from Hulk Hogan. Now, according to Tanay, Bully is a wrestling historian. So getting endorsed by a guy like Hogan is important to him. However, now I'm just picturing Bully Ray in a powdered wig with an English accent because, you know, he's a wrestling 
historian. Ah, uh, yes, you see, Hulk Hogan slamming Andre the Giant is indubitably a turning point in North American scripted athletic-based entertainment. Back in the uh, Alamo Dome, Taz is like, hey, I'm going to throw a bully's lucky to cages here keeping me out. I'm Teflon Taz. You can't touch me. I can touch you, Cole. Broke ass welcome to the jungle plays, which means here comes TNA champion Jeff Harvey. Jeff has two belts. So Jeffy two belts, I guess. Uh, one seems to be a custom title that has like a giant face on it. Jeff has been champion since Bound for Glory, the very first pay-per-view we covered in this episode of Brightman. So I like the brand synergy there. Four Sides of Steel gets the special uh, JB, Jeremy Borash ring intros. Shades of these uh, days at the TNA Fairground Asylums. He introduces referee Earl Hebner, gets booze, hilarious. The rules of the match are pin, submission, or escape the cage. Up first, from Hell's Kitchen, definitely not Daredevil, Bully Ray. Yells Bully Ray in response to his name being said. Jeff Hardy has his eyelids painted like eyeballs. So when he closes his eyes, he still has eyes. How charismatic, how enigmatic. It's been done, Jeffy. Nobody cares. Sign in the crowd says, I gave up my first car to meet Jeff Hardy. Well, hopefully she didn't give the keys to Jeff Hardy, but that's another story altogether. The bell rings. It's the main event of Lockdown. The main event of Aces and Eights for Dummies. The main event of Bright Man. Thank God TNA put holes in the cage for the camera people to stick the lens in. Well done, TNA. It's a big cage match made event, so of course it starts with a headlock. Texas here seems to want Jeff Hardy to become the victor as they're cheering for him pretty hard. Uh, Bully Ray hits a big bully line, but it only gets two. Uh, shortly after this, Brother Nero wakes up. He goes up top for a whisper in the wind, and by God, it actually connects. Sure, Bully had to move into the move to get a uh, connection there, but, uh, you know, it connected, so what are you going to do? Jeff hits a springboard off the ropes and does a Vader bomb. It actually looks really good, so no shade there. Jeff walks the ropes and climbs a corner of the cage, but Bully! Brings him down, and both guys are just standing on the ropes. Now, they're able to do this because the cage is there to balance. They do it a few times. It always looks pretty good. A big boot to the face of Jeff Hardy causes him to fall and crotch himself on the top rope. Bully Ray is now in control, but a really fun spot here, and I mean this. Bully just hits a casual body slam on Jeff and then steps back to measure him. Jeff was slammed very near the cage door. As soon as Jeff opens his eyes and sees this, he sprints for the door. And I thought that was pretty effective because, you know, after all, it's just a typical spot. But now, all of a sudden, it's a, uh, you know, the match could end any second spot. I liked it. I don't know. What do you want from me? Bully has to sprint across the ring to prevent Jeff from leaving through the door. Bully begins working the back. Tanae says Bully has been in charge about 75% of this matchup. Taz, in great heel commentator fashion, says, oh, You know what, today I disagree. I think it's more like 73%. <laughs> Taz, should be stated, is really good in this match, being the heel commentator. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Bully locks in a bear hug, center ring. And we get dueling, let's go Hardy, let's go Bully chance. Jeff goes for the twist of fate. It's countered into a bubble bomb. Nope, the bubble bomb is countered into a twist of fate. Jeff takes his shirt off, so he starts to mean business. Suddenly, Wes Briscoe and Garrett Bischoff both 
Both of these guys, members of Aces of Eights, scale the cage quickly, I might add. Uh, video game-esque, I might add. And, and they are inside the cage with Jeff and Bully. It's a fun spot because Bully yells to Jeff, who's been fighting them off, to duck down. And Bully runs forward and clotheslines both of them. Bully stacks him in a corner, and I swear to you, runs in front of him, gets on all four, and yells for Jeff to do the poetry in motion. Jeff does! Bully tells Jeff to open the door. They take turns tossing the Aces and Eight members out. They uh, shut the door, and the match resumes. It's a fun spot. Taz is like, okay, I'll admit that backfired. You know, because he's Aces and Eights advocate on commentary, and, and their interference did absolutely nothing. Center ring, we get the yeah, boo punches. Jeff takes control, goes up top. Bully pursues. And we've got uh, punches and chops being exchanged 10 feet in the air. Jeff hits an insecurity while both guys are standing on the ropes yet again. And Bully sells it, as he should. But Jeff, because he did an insecurity jump, you know, goes splat on the mat. Bully is dazed and falls and hits an accidental ultimate warrior. Bully splash. Bully's covering. One, two, no. Jeff sets up for the twist of fate. He hits it, but it's a stunner variant, and so Bully is still standing. Jeff goes to the top rope. Yet again, Bully pursues. To make a very long story short, it ends up with Bully having Jeff in the powerbomb position, standing on the top rope, and Jeff is hanging on the cage trying to not get powerbombed. Well, Bully is a lot bigger and a lot stronger, so he jumps and hits a sit-out powerbomb. It's frightening but both guys are okay so yay uh but it's a great visual i will say uh but bully can't make the pin because of the impact you see what i did there hey here comes hulk hogan he's on crutches uh brooke ray teeny because you know she's married to bully ray now so she's brooke ray teeny is with him uh, uh they take a spot at ringside and hogan is trying to inspire his son-in-law bully ray he's like come on bully don't stop brother Get your win back, dude. Come on, Bully. Come on, Bully. Hey, whoa, it's Aces and Eights, dude. Get up. Sure enough, ev- pretty much every member of Aces and Eights comes out of the crowd, and they each climb a different corner of the cage, and they have our championship competitors surrounded. Pause, because I want to make very clear what happens here. Aces and Eights have everybody surrounded. Bully Ray sees that this is happening. Now, Bully... Just the character wears this chain, like padlock chain around his neck as like part of his attire, okay? Bully rips the chain off of his necklace and breaks it in half and hands half of it to Jeff. They stand back to back like a couple of action movie heroes ready to defend themselves against aces and eights. I really like that quite a bit. Devon is in the same corner as Bully, threatening to attack at any second. Devon pulls a hammer out of his jacket. Devon drops the hammer. Bully grabs it. Bully turns around and nails Jeff Harvey with the hammer. Hogan, next to a camera, is like, no, no, no. Bully and Devon high-five shades of the Dudley boys. Bully covers Jeff Hardy. One, two, three. Oh my god, fucking Bubba Ray Dudley is the world champion of a major North American wrestling organization. He's also the president of Aces and Eights, which is a character that had yet to have been revealed. 
Brooke Teeny is in tears at ringside. Bully grabs his title and goes over to the corner where Brooke is. He's like, you were nothing to me. You were nothing to me. You're stupid. He then tells Hogan, get out of here, you old bastard. Bully then grabs the microphone and lets Brooke and all of Texas know that it was never really about us. That's right. Hey, Devon, let that stupid bitch cry. Hey, Hulk, I used you. Hey, Brooke, I screwed you. This gets under the skin of the Hogans and Texas. And holy shit, somebody at the Alamo Dome made a huge mistake. They decided to sell beer in aluminum bottles and fuck me sideways. A fucking army of beer bottles start getting tossed inside the ring over the cage. I've not seen anything like this. Earl has to cover the body of Jeff Hardy because it's super dangerous. Each member of Aces and Eights gets hit at least once. Bully stands center ring and takes one in the chest. He, after, it's the best visual. He takes a bottle to the chest, holds the belt up and says, I'm Bully Ray. I am the president of Aces and Eights and the TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Bully mounts the cage, salutes Taz, and we fade to black. Well, I, I gotta admit, the match was fine. This is totally fine. But the finish was hot. And it was very impressive to me. I I can't say this enough. I really appreciate the ingenuity of the Bully Ray breaking his chain spot. I really did enjoy that quite a bit. Like, I knew what was going to happen. I didn't know how it was going to happen. And I just... I like that they took it that far. The spot in the middle with them fighting off aces and eights was really well done to take you off the scent of whether or not, you know, there was a potential turn going to happen, I suppose. Because I guess the writing was on the wall with this thing, like something had to give. But uh, I don't know. I really liked the execution quite a bit. And at the end of the day, the heat on the finish of this match, it's it's so interesting because hasn't that always sort of been Bubba or Bully's thing, right? Heat. Heat. Working the ECW crowd into a frenzy at the Harrow Arena and causing a riot. You know, there's some ECW summer paper heat wave where that happens. Um, You know, for better or worse, this man has always had a character and a knack for saying whatever he needs to to get the job done. Whether that's being babyface or heel. But of course, it works much more effectively when he's heel. And right or wrong, it doesn't necessarily make for a good person... But I would argue it certainly makes for an interesting wrestling character. And honestly, my opinion, my opinion only, it's too bad we never got to see it in the WWE. But wow, if for nothing else, I'm really glad that I watched this entire thing that I watched today. Because the last six minutes, ever since when when Aces and Eights came out to that cage match... We got the chain spot, and then the heat. My God, the heat! The fucking bottles. Like, that was impressive. I mean, it was stupid and dangerous. Like, of course, I'm not advocating for that, but it happened. It's 2013, so it's not like I could be in shock and awe about it. But, uh, end of the day, I'm really glad that I saw it, and I would never have imagined that that was going to happen before I did this thing. So, kudos to the Aces and Eights.
that's going to conclude our seminar on the aces and eights and the rising babyface that fought against him and used them as a cutting ruse to gain trust, power, and ultimately the gold. But if you like this type of thing, you know, here at the new TNN, we're always trying to get away with a cutting ruse, providing pop culture-based entertainment. Uh, so why don't you subscribe to the new TNN? Maybe tell your friends about it. Say something nice on social media. Uh, because after all, we're always trying to entertain you with pop-based entertainment. I'm Johnny C. A winner is you. And we are pop. And she's Brooke Teeny. Oh, dude, brother. Brooke Teeny, I love your song, dude. It's about us. It's not about us. Okay.